This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... This episode of Crucial Tech is sponsored by the International Cyber Expo being held in London, the United Kingdom, from September 27th to the 28th. This is one of the more important educational events in cybersecurity with more than 100 exhibitors, 5,000 buyers, and Europe's most influential experts. Go to www.internationalcyberexpo.com for more information. Welcome to Crucial Tech. Uh, I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I'm here today with John Wilson, who is a senior fellow for threat research at Agari by Help Systems. That's quite a title. Uh, <laughs> to help you understand what Help Systems is, it is a conglomeration uh, uh, owned by a private equity firm that is acquiring different smaller companies in the area of cybersecurity. And Agari, along with Fish Labs, cre- uh, does monitoring of threats and, uh, and analyzing all that stuff. Uh, so that's why we're getting to this, because they, they've been coming out with a report. Uh, for, uh, John, how long has this report been coming out? Oh, my goodness. For numerous years, uh, we've uh, put out this report. Now, it's only been in the last you know, last quarter, uh, two quarters, actually, that we've consolidated the data between Agari and and Fish Labs. But Fish Labs put this report out for, you know, several years. Okay. So uh, this is going back several years. And, you know, I I have to be honest with you because I was honest with Angela. Uh, When I started looking at the report, I was kind of going, so what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, because you know it, it, the first thing on the, the takeaways is Fishly is steadily on the rise. Yes, it has been for several years. Social media is an accessible and preferred threat channel. Yes, it always has been. Response-based phishing continues to climb. Yes. What else is new? The sun rises in the in the east. Uh, but as I d- dug down, there are a couple of things here that I think actually might be newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one was hybrid vishing attack volume trending up. And Absolutely. quite frankly, I hadn't heard the term vishing. Uh, and I'm not going to apologize for that because the terms and acronyms just keep coming in cybersecurity. Oh, yeah. We, we love that alphabet soup. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the last one was uh, O365 or Office 365 credentials coveted by criminals, which I was beginning to think, yeah, okay, that's not a big deal. But actually, I think the process of how they are getting those credentials uh, is is important. So for the audience, um, w- when you you're working in Office 365, uh, especially in a, a corporate environment, every once in a while, uh, the system is going to ask you to re-enter your password, mm-hmm. which is which is a great security thing. But if your system has been uh, uh, hacked into by criminals, they are the ones that could be sending you the request for putting in your password, which gets you into the system. So, John, let's start off with hybrid vishing. Okay. What the heck is that? 
Okay, so so vishing is voice phishing. In other words, phishing someone out of you know information, but over a voice channel, typically over obviously a, a telephone. What hybrid vishing is is when the uh, attack starts in some other medium, but directs them to go to voice. We see this both in um, we'll see texts that say, for example, um, hey, you know, you've just been charged. $3,000 for, you know, tickets to SeaWorld. If you did not uh, make this purchase, please call this number. Now, there isn't actually a charge on your credit card. And they do the same thing in email. The email, of course, is crafted to look like, um, you know, it's some sort of an invoice. You've purchased something, you've got some sort of a, you know, $300 a year subscription that is just renewed. Um, and then they very clearly will say, um, hey, uh, you know, here's uh, the number to call if you want to dispute this or if you want to cancel it. The whole goal is to get you to call that number. Now, this does a couple of things. Uh, if they sent the original attack via email, it gets you away from your corporate email protections and over to your phone, which very often you're just going to pick up your mobile phone. But even if you pick up your desk phone, we don't have a voice spam filter, if you will, that works in real time to like stop the words from reaching your ear, you know? So at that point, you're completely at the mercy of the social engineer, the, the agent on the other end of that line, who is going to sound very official. Um, probably, you know, when you call that number, it's going to say, hey, if you're calling about such and such, press one, you know, it's going to sound very official. But eventually when you talk to somebody, they're going to say, oh yeah, all I need is your credit card number so that we can reverse that charge. And then of course they're going to charge your credit card. They may additionally ask you for a bunch of um, personal information that they can use later to perform some other kind of a crime such as identity theft. Okay. Uh, so uh, what should someone do if they get that, that kind of a phone call or if they get that kind of an email? Yeah, well, you know, the first thing to do is to check your credit card statement. They claim they've just charged your credit card. Your credit card company will have that, you know, and, and mm -hmm. most people have online access. You can immediately log in and see, well, is there a $394 charge from, you know, McAfee or XYZ, you know, whatever the thing may be. If there's no charge there, well, obviously this is a scam. Um, so that's really uh, part and parcel with what I recommend to people. It's always verify, but verify through a separate channel. Simply calling the phone number in the email isn't going to do anything because you're talking to the scammer. So, um, but flip your credit card over, call the number on the back um, or go online to their website and you'll quickly see that, well, there's no charge and therefore this is a scam. I got a better one for you. Yeah, All right. I, you know, because I, I just wanted to, check out your your credentials here uh, I have my credit cards and my ATM card um, set with a notification that if there's a charge for anything more than five dollars I immediately get a yeah. an email from, I have that as well yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's the easiest way because I take a look and, and you know I, I'm happy when I see okay I just bought this yeah there it is but when it pops up, you know, and it's I've I've got it marked that I got a special ringtone for it. I'll take a look at it, and sure mm -hmm. enough, it was just this morning that uh, I I got a notification from somebody who was trying to break into the uh, uh, um, 
uh, uh, cyber protection magazine uh, site uh, for us you, you, it says somebody's asked to change your password you know you know those are the things that pop up and that is probably the best thing to do we have the automation available to us to actually make sure that we're aware of when this stuff happens every time absolutely so, that's a great point Lou and, and in fact I do have an alert um, anytime I use the ATM anytime I use my card at a gas station or anytime it's more I think I set my limit to twenty five dollars but that will immediately alert me if uh, something's occurred. Yep. So, okay, that's great for uh, for for hybrid vision. Eh? That's, a, that's mm -hmm. a good thing to know. Let's go into the um, Office 365. Now, I, I have to admit that I am an absolute snob when it comes to Microsoft. I don't use anything. I've eliminated it. <laughs> I don't even use uh, a lot of Google stuff. I've eliminated Chrome from all my systems because okay. it's not just a, a RAM hog. It's uh, it's not that secure and uh, that causes other problems. Mm -hmm. But Microsoft and I know they've done a lot of work and they, they, they've got some really viable cybersecurity measures in place on the corporate side. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, so this might not be that much of a, a problem. But it says here that nearly 60% of credential theft phishing attacks are targeted at O365 uh, credentials in the Absolutely. second quarter. Uh, that that I think is really amazing that that it's still that vulnerable that the criminals are still going after it like crazy. Yeah, well, it turns out that not every company implements multi-factor authentication with their Office 365. I mean, everyone should absolutely do this. And in fact, I believe Microsoft is going to make multi-factor the default coming up relatively soon. But think about all of those thousands of companies out there that are, you know, small, medium businesses. They, you know, their their cybersecurity person is also their tech support person is also the person that's going to fix your laptop, you know, if something goes wrong, et cetera. In other words, you know, they don't really have a cybersecurity team. They've got at best one or two people that are, you know, quote unquote, IT, and they don't bother to set up multi-factor authentication. What that means is all the bad guy needs is your username and your password, and they're in. Once they're in your email, they can do a lot of very interesting things. For example, one thing we witness pretty regularly is they will put in a forwarding rule so that even if you change your password, they're just quietly getting a copy of every email coming or going from your account is going over to the to the threat actor, probably on some free webmail service that you know can't be traced back to an individual. And they're just watching. And when they see something come through that says, oh, you've got an invoice due on Friday and here's all the details, they will then send an email that looks like it's from that company. They'll include all the original you know, context of the conversation. And they'll say, I'm so sorry, that thing that I sent you, I forgot to tell you, we have a new bank please make sure you make your payment to this bank account. And obviously that's a bank account controlled mm -hmm. by a right. scammer. So, you know, those credentials are extremely valuable and you may think, well, you know, well, it's only valuable if it's somebody on the finance team or somebody on the HR team. Well, yeah, but once you're on the inside, I can send an email from, you know, any random person's account. I can send it over to payroll and say, hey, I need to change my password on the, the payroll system. Can you help me out with that? Um, once you're in somebody's mailbox, most, most sites will let you change your password, or if you forgot your password, they'll send you something to your email. Um, so 
your email is essentially the, you know, the golden key, if you will, that unlocks everything else. So, you know, if my, uh, if I forget my corporate credentials to log into our engineering systems, it's going to send an email to my work address, you know, that I can click a link and reset my password. Well, obviously, if the threat actor is in your mailbox, they've got the ability to do that. And then as soon as they change some password and get into some other system, obviously they're going to delete that message so that the actual mailbox owner doesn't see it. Okay, so yeah, so, those those mailboxes are extremely valuable. So so <laughs> how do they get them? Uh, well, so it's through phishing. The most common thing we see. So there's, is, is is it more like spear phishing or or is it you know, generally... oh it's it's spray and pray. They they obviously okay. can choose their targets, um, but. I, for example, um, I've seen people send phishing links for Office 365 to mailboxes I have on Google. So obviously they're not doing that much research if they're sending a Google mailbox a link to try to fish them out of Office 365 credentials. So it's mostly spray and pray. Now, there are obviously state actors who are going to be, you know, they're going to do their homework. They're going to craft a really, um, you know, much more believable fish than sort of the spray and pray stuff. Um, so I won't say that this doesn't occur as spear phishing, but most of it is just what I refer to as commodity phishing. They're sending out, you know, send it to 10,000 people and you might get 10 that click, you know. Shelling the cyber wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and obviously multi-factor authentication will will solve that problem. Yes. And you know, and, and I'm glad to hear that Microsoft is getting on, on board with that, just like Google and Apple is. Mm -hmm. um, we, we recently did some coverage about you know passwords and how supposedly they're going away, but not not really. Mm -hmm. um, and and multi-factor authentication isn't a a golden bullet to uh, it's not. Guys. There's actually ways to socially engineer you around that. I've yeah. seen a, a, a pretty good one. You get a text that says, you know, we've just seen a, a you know, $3,000 charge to your account. Reply with one if this was you or two if it was not you. So obviously you get that thing and you're like, oh my goodness, that's not me. You reply with a two. Well, what that does is that tells the scammer you were on the phone, you know, you're right there, you got your phone in your hand and you're ready to respond. They then attempt to log in with your credentials into your bank account. And of course, your bank sends you that multi-factor thing. They then send you a text on the original thread that said, you know, type one, if you made the transaction, two, if you didn't, they say, great, we need to verify your identity. We just sent you a code, type us the code back and we'll shut it all down. Well, guess what? You've just now taken the code that legitimately came from your bank and that's needed in order to log in and you've texted it back to the scammer. So multi-factor is obviously raises the bar, but it's not a panacea. A clever scammer uh, can use social engineering to trick you into giving up that six digit code. Interesting. Yeah. Now, you mentioned free we uh, webmail providers and a little bit further down, you actually identify uh what web mail providers are most common i was kind of surprised by this uh okay seeing that google is you know gmail is yeah. the primary one mm -hmm. uh and uh, microsoft is is in there but it is one of the smaller ones I, but i'm still getting phishing attempts from aol accounts oh yeah and, absolutely and, 
I, I don't I don't see this in here. Is is that so? Um, AOL and Yahoo are part of Verizon Media now. Hey. So you'll see Verizon Media. That's including you know Verizon.net. That's including AOL. That's including all the Yahoo. Uh, properties as well. So yeah, what, what's interesting there, Lou, um, so I, there was a paper that came out um, from a company called Ofcom or, uh, in uh, the UK. Uh, this was a 2020 report and they looked at a variety of things related to, you know, the use of online technology, et cetera. And one of the things they looked at is they asked their respondents, you know, um, how many of you have logged into Gmail to send a message in the last 30 days? How many of you logged into Yahoo? How many of you logged into one of the Microsoft sites, et cetera? And they found actually that 67% of respondents, of two thirds, had actually logged into Gmail in the past previous 30 days. Uh, that number dropped. I don't have I don't have the stats directly in front of me, but it was something like, um, you know, dropped significantly. It was like 39 or 40% for, um, for Microsoft. It was lower still um, for the combined Yahoo AOL numbers. And well, you know, the, it didn't perfectly map to what our data showed. The most popular mail platforms for legitimate users are also the most popular for the scammers. So not a huge surprise there. Um, one thing I will say is um, Google is very, very good at shutting these down. Um, when we report a uh, an address that's being used for one of these response-based attacks, we send them over the information and those sites are usually, you know, those addresses are usually shut down within the hour. Um, so while there are many, many attacks coming out of Google um, because they're so popular, they're also very good at shutting the stuff down once presented with the evidence that there's some fraud going on. Okay. And I also noticed here that uh more often these these scammers are impersonating uh executives within the company yes yeah um they're they're playing the uh what, what's known as um they're using authority which is one of the social engineering techniques so the idea being you know if if the ceo is reaching out to you and you're just some lowly you know frontline person you know working away you're like they're expecting you to be, wow, I've got a chance to help the CEO. The CEO knows my name. How exciting is that? <laughs> um, when in fact, you know, um, most of those are, uh, if you're just the average employee, that message is going to tell you to, you know, walk over to Walmart and buy me a couple of uh, Google Play gift cards and take a picture of the codes and send them back to me. That I mean, that scam is so rampant. I see thousands of those a day. But um, the other one that I see, uh, they love to attempt to redirect payroll for an executive. And there's kind of two reasons for that. The, the obvious reason is executives typically make more money than the average employee. So if I can redirect the CEO's paycheck, even for one pay cycle, um, that's a heck of a lot better than, you know, to redirecting, you know, some hourly worker, you know, who, who isn't even getting any overtime, uh, redirecting their paycheck is obviously not going to have as big of an impact. But the second reason is the person in the payroll team might be a little more agreeable to helping out the CEO change his or her, um, you know, pay, payroll details. Whereas a normal employee, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, log into the payroll system. Like that's how we do it around here. So it's sort of a combination of things. Uh, the They can use that authority card, um, but also they're redirecting a much um, more valuable asset, which is 
you know, CEO or a CFO paycheck as opposed to a, you know, Joe Schmo paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So one more question. Um, sure. I, I, I was looking at the, the pie chart on uh, the industries that are being attacked. Mm -hmm. uh, good news is, is that the they're targeting national and regional banks less. The bad news is they're <laughs> targeting credit unions more, but uh, and it's essentially the, the drop in uh, regional and national banks is is almost exactly the same as the increase in credit unions. So that might be one direction where they're going. The other one was other financial services. Um, mm -hmm. What are we talking about there? I mean, are we talking so that about that? Could be things like Zelle. That could be yeah. things like okay, um, that's what I wanted know, to get into. Enmo, Cash App. Things of that nature. It could be could be you know brokerage services, things of that nature. Basically, anything that's not your standard, you know, national bank, regional bank, or credit union falls into sort of the other financial services group. Now, so, well, here, here here's something. <laughs> this is this is what I'm interested in because you know I'm on Venmo only because I've I've been forced to by the number of vendors. That I, you know, like when I get re repairs on the house, you know, they they will take Zelle or Venmo. I don't like either of them. <laughs> uh, but with Venmo, you know, and I've turned off no my notifications because I don't want people to know what I'm spending my money on. Oh yeah. But so many people say uh, I gave so and so five dollars for flowers, and I go, why are you telling? Why are you telling the world this exactly? I all mine are private. <laughs> yeah, but. But does that does that increase the vulnerability of a person's Venmo account if they're doing things like that? Oh, that's a great question, Lou. Um, I I don't know, but in general, I, you know, the more information you put out there, the more likely you are to ultimately be targeted. You've you've provided them with more information. I mean, think about um, just things like Facebook, which I'm going to take a wild guess here, Lou, and say you probably don't like Facebook and probably don't use it, but <laughs> Okay, I, you know, I, I have to be honest. I, I do use Facebook. I want to get off, but I do regular analysis of of news mm -hmm. for a, a group of about two thousand people. Yeah. And w whenever I make the comment, I think I, I I just had it with Facebook. I'm going to leave. I get literally hundreds of people on Messenger saying, "Don't do it." I, <laughs> I count on you. Count on your your perspective to figure out what's yeah. going on in the world. So exactly. you know, I'm staying there for them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm more of a LinkedIn guy. I quit Twitter a long time ago. Okay, yeah, uh, Twitter. I mean, you could you could post, "Hey, the sun is shining today," and 300 trolls will jump on and tell you why that's a terrible thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, but um, you know, we put so many things out there. Something as simple as you know, "Hey, I'm you know I'm uh, I'm over at the soccer fields. My you know my daughter's team won today." If you don't control where that goes and you actually end up making it public as opposed to just friends or, you know, a tight knit group. Well, now somebody has the information they need to call you and say, you know, hey, I've kidnapped your daughter. Um, you know, I I saw her at the soccer fields. I kidnapped her, blah, 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 blah. You need to pay me this money when, in fact, your daughter is, you know, quite possibly at the movie theater or whatever. I mean, there's these are rare, these things that happen, but the more information you put out there, the more information, you know, the more ammo you're effectively giving folks that would try to turn that information against you. Yeah. And there's there's one more point here that I wanted to, to touch on cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. um, the, the cryptocurrency industry likes to point out that uh, 
traditional forms of finance are have much more uh, criminal involvement than cryptocurrency. But I hmm. keep seeing things like this that it's going up. You know, like yesterday, the, there was uh, a story about four billion dollars that were stolen out of uh, crypto wallets. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to be talking to some companies about that. This this is still a very small amount at 6.2 percent, but it's up 1.8 percent from the previous quarter. Yep. Are you seeing criminal activity in cryptocurrency on the yeah. rise? Um, we uh, absolutely. So um, my team, one of the things we do is we respond to these response based email attacks. So we anonymize the um, the sender and the receiver, but we we reach back to the scammer's address. And, um, you know, the majority of those turn out to be they want a gift card. Some of them want to read, you know, divert payroll. A lot of them are what we refer to as advanced fee fraud or 419 scams. Um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the long lost prince of XYZ and I need to get my millions out of the country and I've picked you to help me, uh, you know, that sort of scam. Um, but we are seeing more and more. Um, I mean, crypto was almost not even existent a year ago in terms of these scams. And now we're seeing it in a number of forms. Um, obviously, there's the um, extortion emails. So right. they basically send you something. Hey, you know, I've hacked your computer. I've got video of you while you were, you know, enjoying this, you know, pornography site. I have all your contacts. I'm going to send it to all your contacts. Well, guess what? They haven't hacked your computer. They don't have your contacts. They don't have a video of you. But they'll provide you a wallet address where you need to pay some sum of money. I literally saw two today. One wanted 1,200 euro in Bitcoin. The other one at 1,100. I don't know how they randomly pick these numbers as to how much Bitcoin they want. But, um, you know, those were the two that I saw literally just before this call. Um, so that's one place where we see uh, uh, crypto being used. Obviously, the crypto exchanges are a big um, target because, I mean, there was a case where that one exchange lost like all their money. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we also have seen attempts where they're like, hey, can we pay a vendor with cryptocurrency, which obviously that's laughable, but we will happily tell the scammer, yeah, absolutely send us your wallet. And then we track that wallet and see if they've had any success. So yeah, we are seeing that on the rise. Okay. Well, um, that's all very depressing. And uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, I'm uh, I'm I'm just full of uh, cheer today. I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> how, how can our listeners get a hold of a copy of this report? Oh, that's great. Uh, I it's on the Fish Labs website. Uh, I will have to get the link to you. Okay, um, yeah, get the link to I'm, me, and folks, it'll be on the show notes uh, when this comes out. Hopefully, tomorrow or next week. Absolutely. All right, so. Uh, John, thank you very much. Uh, this has been enlightening. I'm, I'm glad I actually spent the time to drill down to the really important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you, Lou. Have All a right. great rest of your day. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Normal, uh, if you have questions or concerns or comments, you can reach me at anchor at anchor.fm slash crucialtech. Uh, and leave a one-minute comment or question or comment. Or you can reach me at cyberprotectionmagazine.com. Uh, you can make your comments there as well. Uh, we're always interested in what you have to say. Uh, and that's it for today. This has been Crucial Tech, a Footwasher Media production. <laughs>